You're listening to DraftKings Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to another episode of Darth the Mean's Rule of Two. I am your Sith Lord, Darth the Mean, joined as always by my apprentice, Darth Corn Puzzle, a.k.a. Anthony Mays. And we are back. This is the podcast. We review all the Star Wars releases, the Disney Plus, to movie theaters someday, maybe. Who knows? And we do it only when Star Wars stuff is on, so we don't have to waste time giving you guys filler episodes in between. The animated series Star Wars The Bad Batch Season 3 has commenced this week. It's the last season of this show. It's a show that I've enjoyed very much. It follows the exploits of Clone Force 99, which was a group of defective clones who had special abilities. Defective yet effective. There you go. Thank you, Rika. You know, they're kind of like the A-team of the Star Wars universe. And this takes place after the Clone Wars, after the rise of the Galactic Empire. This A-team of clones is on the run. We are now in season three, where we see that one of their ranks has been killed. That would be Tech. We see another one who has joined a different clone to go fight for other clones, and that's Echo. You see two imprisoned. That would be Crosshair and Omega, or Omega, however you want to call it. And so there's only basically two of them left that are out in the wild. That's Rika and Hunter. Dropping those R's like Zach Harper. Yes, yes, I am. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's the third and final season, I mean. Mm-hmm. How does that make you feel to know that the Clone Force 99's time is almost at an end? On the one hand, I like that they have an idea of the story they wanted to tell, and that story is almost over, as opposed to just more and more adventures, which a lot of programming seems to be like. On the other hand, there is a sadness in the same way that I felt about Star Wars Rebels, where the more I'm watching, the more I'm like, this is great. And I'm like, they all have to die or be incapacitated in some way. Otherwise, where were they during the active rebellion in the original trilogy? I got to tell you, Maze, since the last time we recorded this pod, I've been doing a lot of reading, man. Star Wars related? Star Wars related. I read Bloodline is a book that takes place after Return of the Jedi, but before The Force Awakens. Talks about the New Republic government and Leia and her difficulties with bureaucracy there and how the rise of the First Order happens. And right now I'm in the middle of the Thrawn series. The Thrawn series takes place right around the time of this and other 
Star Wars products like Andor, Star Wars Rebels, they're all taking place in this post-Revenge of the Sith time, the early days of the Galactic Empire. And it's all starting to make a little bit sense now. What Star Wars has done very shrewdly, Lucasfilm and, and Disney, I guess, is they know that the end result of Rise of Skywalker makes absolutely no sense. So they've geared a lot of the content to reverse engineer, retcon, make this stuff make sense, in essence. So Bad Bats is doing a lot of legwork here. Mm -hmm. If you watch the new trilogy, what's the most iconic line from that new trilogy, Maze? Somehow, Palpatine returned, and now we are unpacking that somehow. To how? Yes, this is how Palpatine returned, because... When they wrote Rise of Skywalker, they had no fucking idea. It's like, wouldn't it be cool if we had Palpatine back? Or do we have to explain? Do we have to give exposition to the audience? Oh, no. We'll have the most trusted character, Poe, explain it all to us. <laughs> Incredibly descriptive detail by saying, somehow Palpatine returned. Incredibly descriptive. Some references to cloning and dark arts and Sith stuff. But it really wasn't. They just decided to bring him back. Well... The Bad Batch has been doing a lot of the work, as I said, to make this make sense. I'm not going to go through all three episodes in the same kind of detail as we usually do for the episodes, since there's three of them. But it basically gives us an update on where everybody is. Crosshair and Omega are imprisoned on Mount Tantus, which is the secret testing facility where Dr. Hemlock, voiced by one of the McPoyles from... Always sunny. Yeah, Jimmy Simpson. Conducts his cloning experiments alongside Nala Say, who is the Kaminoan scientist, who is the chief scientist working on the clones in Kamino. Omega has a little bit of a freedom there. She's kind of a helper, kind of an assistant. She is weirdly allowed to walk around unencumbered a lot. Work released. I did find that a little confusing, but they're fairly confident that nobody can get in or out, so... And we get a lot of visual cues to how deep the security goes and how unhospitable this planet is and, and all those things. I also think there are people they still look at her. She's a kid, dude. What's the kid going to do? You know, there is a little bit of an underestimation, I believe. Yeah, they still think that the only reason she's there is because Nalase likes her. Yeah. And not because she's special, which is what we get to by the end of the third episode. Right. So basically... What they're doing is they're taking blood from all the clones and running these tests, right? And the tests, spoiler alert, are to figure out who can carry a high M count. What's an M? The M in M count stands for midichlorians. Somehow, yeah. we've shortened it to M. It makes it sound cooler and more scientific, I believe, right? Okay. Midichlorians in the prequel trilogy in episode one of Phantom Menace, George Lucas had this idea of saying... We can't just say that people are, are strong in the force. Oh, this guy's kind of strong in the force, you know. He wanted there to be an empirical metric to know just how strong someone was. And he wanted that because he wanted to demonstrate to everyone that Anakin Skywalker was the chosen one. So his midichlorian count was higher than anybody, even Master Yoda's, which was a line where Obi-Wan Kenobi is flabbergasted when he sees the test results on just how strong in the force this seven-year-old boy is. It got a lot of shit back in the day. People fucking hated it. And so if you see episode two and episode three of the prequel trilogy, ah, I don't, I don't really mention it, right? Just brush it aside. But 
in the effort now in the modern Star Wars era to explain somehow Palpatine returned, there came a need again to reintroduce the midichlorians, although now they call it M-Count because they're such cool scientists. We saw this, remember, Maze in The Mandalorian as Moff Gideon doing his own cloning experiment and trying to infuse himself with the powers of the Jedi or the Force was seeking to have Grogu abducted so he can have his blood siphoned and used to perhaps enhance his clone. Yeah, and Project Necromancer also gets a shout out in The Mandalorian, and that is the project that Hemlock is working on, which I'm fairly certain we talked about it last time we did Bad Batch. So here we are, but we actually name it. We said, hey, do you think this is it in Bad Batch? And by the time we got to Mandalorian, it's confirmed it has a name, Project Necromancer, Mm -hmm. who's overseen by General Hux, but not that General Hux, his daddy. Yeah. Daddy Hux is the military guy tasked with seeing it through, whereas Hemlock is a scientist who's working on the science maze. Mm. Here's the science of immortality. Only 1% of clones. Who's the taffer of the Star Wars universe? Oh, man. Who would that be? Is it Krennic? Oh, yeah, Krennic. Yeah. <laughs> Gonna could be. Or is Krennic the bar owner that is <laughs> it's not gonna make the cut? Is Vader the Taffer? It's Tarkin. Tarkin's the Taffer, yeah. Tarkin's the Taffer. Mm-hmm. I feel like Vader's one of the experts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He comes in and flips a lightsaber and <laughs> he's finished second in a <laughs> lightsaber flipping contest. <laughs> Always smile <laughs> when you're shaking it up. But anyway, so she gets her blood drawn. Nala say says, Hey man. We're going to delete this. We're not going to leave it in a system, and I'm going to dispose of your blood. And don't tell anybody I did this. We can't let anyone know. And, of course, we'll never, ever encounter this issue again, Maze. It's clear. She just has to do it every day? Every day. I didn't understand that part where the blood sample keeps getting taken from Omega, and then Nase has to keep disposing of it. Because they said later mm-hmm. that Crosshair had already been ruled out. Yes, Because they're taking blood from everybody and they're doing different experiments and different combinations, right? They're doing all that. Nalase knows that Omega's blood is the one because Nalase is the one that personally created Omega. Mm -hmm. So she's keeping it on the low. Meanwhile, Omega has like a bunch of menial tasks, feeding these watchdogs and lurka hounds, as they call them. She's named one of them. Batcha. Batcha. It gets hurt. She helps heal it. Puts Neosporin on it. And then Hemlock says, now you made it weak. You made it a bitch, basically. Now that it's (laughs) domesticated, we can't have that either. So There's supposed to be this ferocious kind of guard dog thing. Batcher's got to go. But that whole first episode is a lot of Groundhog Day slash Andor when they're in prison. Yeah. The monotony of every day is like the last day. Mm -hmm. Every day is like the last day. Every day is like the last day. Also, we got to talk about Emery Carr, Mm -hmm. who we speculated last season. What's her deal? Why does she have... A New Zealand accent, and she is also a clone sister of Omega. But there seems to be a little bit of she's brainwashed, or she's got Stockholm syndrome, or oh, they took out the frontal lobe. I would say many of the clones, even think about the commando clones working there, they're all pretty loyal. I don't think there's been manipulation. I think Omega says, I don't remember you from Camino. Uh, Emery says, They took me away, and I started working with Dr. Hemlock because he saw greatness in me. So without any manipulation, she's just been raised by her captors. So it's indoctrinated Stockholm Syndrome. 
Yes, because ultimately she does, at the end, help out Omega. Well, the third episode ends with a shot lingering on her face of her looking confused, maybe having an emotion for the first time. I'm not sure exactly what was happening there. I'm having emotion, like a (laughs) 12-year-old. There aren't female clones, right? It's Omega and it's her that we know of. Yep, those are the only two. So there has to be some greater significance to her that has yet to be revealed. There's been speculation. I know Ryan Airy has been on this one since last year about Dr. Pershing in The Mandalorian being the son of Emery. Okay. That might be one of the things there. Perhaps, perchance. The Hound escapes, lives on, and Omega has her little stuffed toy taken away. But pretty much life goes on every single day. Take the blood, give it to Nalase, Nalase throws it away, deletes the results. Hey guys, it's Mike Fuentes. A lot's changed over the years. One thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. Another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. So what is the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. My last year has been crazy. Started off editing videos for Dan, a podcast here and there, and now I basically do everything there is for Mystery Crate. And it's not about doing something different. It's about doing something that makes me happy, something that makes me smile, something that's not as simple as you think. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. A light beer that tastes like beer. Less filling and only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com crate. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Episode two, now we're focused on Wrecker and Hunter and their lives as mercenaries who are doing jobs basically to find information to find out where Dr. Hemlock's laboratory is. Yeah, let's start with this scene. So there's a whole lot of stuff going on here. I don't remember. We've got this guy in this crazy armor standing on a pink force field floor type thing. It's a plasma. It's the same thing as the force fields, like the doorways, but now it's on the floor instead of upright. He's getting questioned for treason and guilty of conspiracy. And we've got a purple horned lady in a throne with a staff. And is that, it sure is. It's Angelica Houston's voice. I mean, yes, that's right. It is. She's lady Issa Durand running a syndicate she's got what i thought was maybe her first lieutenant but turns out to be her son with a missing horn her son kevin durand kevin durant slash roland roland durand kevin durand the fake nick cage exactly (laughs) from primal and legion they're deveronians 
which look like devils with the horns and everything. And this is all a callback to a season one episode. I mean, I was like, what? I had to go back and do some reading. Like, oh, yeah, that's right. That happened. The guy stepped in for Sid and then the Pikes came looking for some shit. Yeah, there was a Pike spice heist. Yeah. The Pikes cut off his horn, which is what they tossed back to him as a sign of goodwill. And he was kept prisoner alongside Omega. And that's when he talked about his mom. Yep. Mommy talk. Also, that's a long ass time for the Pikes to be holding onto that horn. Yeah. You think they might have misplaced it. It's kind of like the tongue in True Detective, right? Yeah. You telling me no one put that in the wrong place in seven years? Don't get me started on True Detective. Oh, you don't want to do a quick drive by a True <laughs> Detective, I mean? The butler did it, is what I called it. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's your ending? The butler did it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Also, time is a flat circle. Uh, 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 remember that from the first season? Uh, hacks. Yeah. As soon as we talked about it and I said, I don't know. Why are you out on it? It fell apart immediately. Yeah. So it's okay. I'm with you. Thank you. It was an interesting setup and then it was a, a pretty terrible execution. But let's talk about Bad Batch. Yes. Let's keep it on with Bad Batch. So they get some coordinates for something. They head over there. It's abandoned. It's like going to Dantooine. It was a thing once upon a time. It ain't there no more. But they encounter some young clones, Maze. And do you know what they look and sound like? The Lost Boys from Hook? Well, yeah. They're supposed to be like the Lost Boys or Lord of the Flies or whatever. But specifically, they look and sound like young Boba Fett from the Clone Wars. I was going to say they didn't look like Boba Fett. Young Boba Fett. From Clone Wars. Okay. Not from Attack of the Clones. All right. But from Clone Wars, when he starts to rise up and become a bounty hunter and he's trained by Cad Bane. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I see it now. They looked really white. Yeah. I got to say, they look like some white kids running around the jungle. Some dirty white kids. Yeah. Some jungle book action, some yeah. Tarzan action, all of the above. My punchline for that was, which is to say, they look and sound like a bitch. Mm. Young Boba Fett. What a bitch. Bitch is all the goddamn time. He's pouty. He's entitled. He's whiny. Could not hate him more. Again, I cannot understand why so many people are so in love with that character. Well, they tripled down on it this time. So now you got three times as many yeah. annoying clone kids. And I'll be honest with you. Episode two, I yada yada a lot of it. It's like, all right. It felt very fillerish. My only real question is you can't just bring in Angelica Houston for one scene. So they have to come back. Yeah. That seems like some stunt casting that will have to come back. We got Wrecker saying this place smells like rancid Jolaz. Jotaz. Jotaz. That was a new one for me. That's from the Fallen Order game. When you go on this planet called Zepho, which has been found by the Empire, and they're actively looting it for all of its artifacts, there's all types of wildlife on this planet. And one of them is this big, ugly son of a bitch called the Jotaz. Mm. You go there to find this map to find the next shit or whatever, but also you fight these big assholes, and they're terrible. They're really hard to take down. But on this planet, there are very sensitive vines yep. that are a lot like in The Last of Us, how you're not supposed to touch tentacles, any of the fungus, because they'll communicate with their little network and let everybody know where you're at. And then we find out that there were some experiments with creatures that the Empire was doing in addition to their Project Necromancer stuff. And at the end, we get a giant vine Sarlacc? tentacle Sarlacc hybrid thing. Yeah. It had to be, right? That's a Sarlacc mouth. Yep. And they drop a bunch of explosives in it and blow it up. And as they're leaving, Wrecker is messing around with the kids and everyone's laughing and having a good time. 
and Hunter is haunted by happiness being on the ship once again, which I can't imagine what the last few months have been. It's just him and Wrecker on a ship. Yeah, not a lot of communication going on there. He must have wanted to kill him at least 100 times, right? Like, there's no chance it's just silently keeping to themselves. They're going to take the Lost Boys to Space Grease from last season. Oh, yeah. Where we were hanging out. Yes, that's right. And they say, make your own path. Be something other than a soldier. Message. Message that I don't know if clones can follow. What about you? Our mission is not over yet. And they dap like reminiscent. Yo, Preston? Preston Myers, Luke, what's going on, man? <laughs> I mean, this was your standard Bad Batch mission of the week. Yeah. Random giant enemy that they kind of kill, but kind of don't. I wonder if those kids are going to show back up at some point during this season. Kind of like Batcher, the Lurka Hound, yeah. shows back up to save the day in episode three. But the other thing also is, like you said, Maze, the Duran Syndicate and how this factors in. Obviously, the Pikes not so cool with them. This is also time of the Empire. This is a time of a lot of lawlessness. There are a lot of crime syndicates at work. Crimson Dawn is another one. And they're all rival gangs trying and vying for control and power. We might see Darth Maul cross paths with them as well. He is now a crime lord, of course, in the timeline. So that's that. Episode three is their escape. Escape of Omega and Crosshair off of Mount Tantus, along with the visit from one Sheev Palpatine. Mm. Come to see what's the deal. Ian McDiarmid, still cashing checks as a voice actor. And he'll continue to do so until he's too old to do so, in which point they will license out his AI fabricated voice. Yeah. His estate will get paid in perpetuity. They've already got that. But yes, the emperor tells Dr. Hemlock, Hey, it's important that this thing remains a secret because there are a lot of people, even on our side, who would find it an abomination. And that's also after Hemlock mentions the exotic matter facilities and the alteration and testing of much larger assets, which is what we just saw in the previous episode with the Vine Sarlacc. We also saw that with the Zillow Beast from season two, if you remember, mm -hmm. them trying to replicate the skin because it is lightsaber resistant, which again... Not particularly sure why Palpatine is worried about lightsabers at this point. He kind of took care of most of that shit. You think so? You think Palpatine right now thinks... I mean, I know he's got his Jedi hunters out there. Is there anyone specific he's worried about at this point? Most of the main ones they think are dead. Yeah. Once you switch over your focus to immortality, yeah. which is a classic old rich guy scheme you've climbed the mountain as high as you can and now you're just worried about living forever that's really more of his concern i also feel like palpatine did not give enough specificity in his request he said i want to live forever he just said i want to live forever as an old withered ugly bitch right can i be hot again man make me young forgot that part of the <laughs> equation which is funny because at this point in star wars whenever he has a public announcement the holograph uses a lot of Photoshop mm. to make him look young and hip. Maze, I was thinking about this the other day when I was reading Thrawn. Everyone's afraid of the Emperor. All the admirals, they make it very clear. All the governors, the senators, everyone's terrified of him. But I realize 99.9% .9 of them don't know that he's an evil space wizard. 
Yeah. They think he's just the president. He's just their boss. They're just worried about getting fired. Or put to death. Because everybody's self-motivated, including our guy, Hemlock, yep. who just wants to be appointed scientific minister. That's <laughs> really the only thing that he's after is a nice new title, a pension, uh, 401k, a company car, all that stuff. You know what that reminded me of? Hey, as an aside, can we talk about my performance review? <laughs> it reminded me of, of Krennic with Vader. Yeah, man. He'll talk to the Emperor about me. It's the same shit all the time with these Empire sons of bitches. I'll tell you what, though, man. Thrawn's the only real motherfucker who never did that shit, man. It's funny. The end of the first Thrawn book, and I'm talking about the canon ones. I'm not talking about the Legends one that were from the 90s. I'm talking about the recent canon ones. So the end of the first book ends with him getting promoted to Grand Admiral. They found him out in the wild, and they put him in the Imperial Academy, and he rises up really fast because he's so good, even though everybody hates him because, A, he's an alien, and, B, he doesn't have, like, the same political moxie as everyone else. Everyone else is playing this dick sucking game mm -hmm. of whose dick do I got to suck to move up. And this guy just comes in and does the job and everyone's like, well, why does he get promoted? Right? So all the other admirals hate him, but Palpatine and Yularen, who's the head of the ISB, they both really put him because this guy knows his shit or whatever. So Palpatine says, I'm going to make you a grand admiral. Thrawn is very muted in his response. And he's like, okay, I'll take it. If you answer me one question, what is the death star and where is it? Palpatine is like, oh, so you want to get dirty here. But it's like he just deduced by so much shit. His main assistant is a guy who's a supply chain guy. He never wanted to be an actual commander or lieutenant or whatever. He wanted to be in charge of supply chain for the Imperial Navy. His name's Eli Banto. And so Banto, even though he's this country hick, he's got a twang or whatever, he's got a real eye for like supply chain. So he's like, why is all of a sudden all this dunium, which is this type of metal, it's all getting bought up. The prices are skyrocketing and he's completely confused by all this. And so Thrawn puts two new together and realizes there's something that they're building and they call it the Death Star. And it's supposed to be a big deal. Right. But anyways, I digress. Everyone sucks dick in the Empire because they're trying to move up, including Dr. Hamlock. But Nala say utilizes the arrival of the emperor and the hubbub and commotion and distraction of it to basically give Omega her data pad and says, here, escape. Omega steals the iPad. She breaks Crosshair out. Mm -hmm. Crosshair is pretty cranky and despondent. Because he told her multiple times, why are you wasting your time? If it were the other way around, I would have been left your ass. I would not be coming back for you. And she's like, no, we're a team. We work together. <laughs> He's got a shaky hand, PTSD thing. Yeah, Parkinson's. Whoa. No, I'm not going to be funny. This is clone DNA breaking down. Yes, they're not made. To, like, they're accelerated in age to fight a war. And the war was not expected to last this long. I think he's starting to break down, bro. That's why I said, like, at the beginning, it reminds me of Rebels. On some level, you have to know, oh, they ain't going to make it, bro. And there's a reason why in the writing, Echo leaves them and goes to be with Rex. Because these are the defective clones, man. They're about to go down and about to go down hard, I believe. And she decides that she's going to go to the transport that we saw crash at the very beginning of episode one. Maybe they can use the comms to contact Hunter and Wrecker. How are they going to do that? They're going to sneak out of the hound's shoot because the hounds have essentially an electric fence on their back that summons them back to the kennel 
but you can also get to the outside world. So they go out of Batcha's shoot and they escape just in time. Right when they escape, they notify Hemlock. He sends the hounds after them. He sends recovery teams. Then we finally see the much referred to creature of the woods and it's like a jacked wolf. Yeah. What the hell was that thing? I mean, I had no idea. I thought at first it was Batcha grown up. I'm like, oh. Was... <laughs> that was quick. <laughs> yeah. Hit puberty, huh, Batcha? Kind of like the Rick and Morty episode where Morty has a son, right? <laughs> but no, it just turns out some wild ass wildlife out there. I forgot to mention, you know, as Nala Say has been imprisoned because they say you're the reason why she escaped. She does not have the opportunity to remove the blood vial of Omega right. from the analysis machine. Yeah, that's the countdown for the entire episode mm -hmm. as we slowly see the blood vial rotating clockwise towards the position where it will be tested. It gets tested, the results come back, and Hemlock, as he tells these guys, basically search and destroy, doesn't matter if you kill them, we've had enough of this bullshit, because up until this point, Omega has just been this little thing that keeps Nala saying in check. Now they realize, oh shit, She's a lot more valuable than we thought. So he calls off the search team. You got to let him get away because you can't risk losing the only successful M count carrying clone mm -hmm. in the entire clone inventory. That's after there's that great scene where he's telling the emperor, I just need more time and more money. And the emperor is like, whatever you need, spare no expense. I'll write you a blank check. But he literally ass backwards fell into the right genetic match yeah. without that he would not have gotten any closer and the emperor's going to keep funneling money into the tantus fire endlessly and that's why the tantus bar is a failure mm -hmm. <laughs> the emperor gets in his shuttle and then he looks back at mount tantus <laughs> thinks about it for a second and then flies away Okay, so questions as we move forward. And from here on out, we're going to have one episode a week. Six and seven are at the same time. Whenever they do a double episode like that, it's usually more important. Yeah. That's what the Clone Conspiracy one was last time around. So, Maze, where do you see this going? Well, I wonder about Angelica Houston. I feel like she's got to come back into play, so we might go back to, to see her. Mm -hmm. But if they've escaped, I would imagine they're going to link up with the rest of Clone Force 99. And then for at least a couple episodes here, it's going to be Hemlock chasing them. Mm -hmm. Beyond that, I don't really know. I'm sure that Omega will get captured again. We know that Project Necromancer has to work. So that's always the plot endpoint is at some point they need to make it happen. But I don't know, man. It's a 15 episode season. So it's kind of hard to see the vision. I'm wondering, A, are they going to reunite? I kind of almost figure like Wrecker and Hunter are going to get to Mount Tantis only to find out they're already gone. I wonder if there's going to be that kind of dynamic of, oh, you were here, now we're there, now we're here, you're there, whatever. I want to know if the crime syndicate's going to be become a bigger thing. Obviously, we know Cad Bane shows up at some point. So is this bounty hunter is being sent after her again? There's a lot to ponder there as far as where the story goes. We know where the story ends. The story ends with Project Necromancer being successful, the clone they make is going to be called Palpatine's son, who is not going to be Force-sensitive, but is then going to grow up and get married and have a child, and that child will be Rey, Man. who is Force-sensitive. There's so much retroactive surgery that needs to be done. I won't lie, though, that Bloodline book is excellent. 
excellent because it's crazy to see the state the new republic was in. Of course, it makes sense. Their heads were shoved so far up their asses. They didn't see what was happening in front of them. The Senate is divided into two parties, the populists and the centrists. The centrists say, this Galactic Republic thing wasn't so bad. Let's just keep a Galactic Republic and have a big army and all that stuff. The populists are like, no, everyone, every planet should be on its own. We don't want another Palpatine. We don't want another emperor or whatever. Self-governance is what they're big on. And Leia is a populist, but she is kind of like the person who brings both sides of the aisle together because she's a war hero. They move to have a Senator Prime, basically, to be like the Speaker of the House. She's nominated and everyone's like, she's going to win this election because everyone respects her, even though she's on that side of the aisle or whatever. And then one of these centrists discovers Leia is the daughter of Darth Vader and puts it on blast, plays it on the Senate floor. And it's like this big outrage. People calling her a fraud and shit. Maybe you were part of it. Maybe you were part of the whole empire thing and you're playing both sides, right? It's a really, really well done book. If you love Star Wars politics, like I do and Maze does, Bloodline is an incredible politics book. It's just all about the politics of how we get to the First Order. And it makes a lot of even these other shows that take place in this post-Return of the Jedi universe, it makes them make a lot more sense. Like why there's so much bureaucracy, why they're so myopic, how the First Order could happen. All that is explained pretty much in Bloodline. I'm going to saddle up and tough it out through this 15-episode Bad Batch season. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of diversion episodes where we have Mission of the Week, but I do think the overall political element of the story, there's usually at least a handful of those episodes every season but i gotta say i mean i'm pretty excited for the acolyte we still don't have a release date we still don't have a release date for skeleton crew yep skeleton crew acolyte and tales of the jedi is another one that's supposed to come out i really enjoyed season one it was really well done and again did a great job of giving us some texture giving us some context on some of these star wars stories and then and or season two, maybe the end of 2024, but probably not. I'm guessing because of the writer's strike. But it should be a good year for Star Wars content and a good year for Rule of Two. For Darth Cornpuzzle, I'm Darth Amin reminding you, we shall see if the Emperor is as understanding as I am. Which is a nice little Easter egg callback mm. to Return of the Jedi. Hey guys, it's Mike Fuentes. A lot's changed over the years. One thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. Another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. So what is the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. My last year has been crazy. Started off editing videos for Dan, a podcast here and there, 
And now I basically do everything there is for Mystery Crate. And it's not about doing something different. It's about doing something that makes me happy. Something that makes me smile. Something that's not as simple as you think. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality. Great taste. Only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. A light beer that tastes like beer. Less filling and only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com crate. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. 